from the Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. How's everyone doing? I'm looking at you. Nice. <laughs> like, stop looking at me, please. All right. Um, so uh, there was a long season of my life. I was a youth pastor to Alyssa back there. She was always my favorite. Yeah. So uh, is it your birthday today? Oh, well, we missed it. So, uh, <laughs> um, but I was a youth pastor for a long, for a long, <laughs> for a long time, um, and I, I loved it. It was really, really good. There's something um, sacred about being with um, all these students who are going through all these different transitions. Uh, transitions in their, their body, in their intellect, in their spirituality, and discovering like who they want to be, who they really are, their family systems, and um, all that stuff. And, I, and it's interesting. When I think of how much time I put towards like programming and um, having the right message, I mean, I, I imagine it was brilliant. Um, but the things, when I bump into students that they talk about um, was just that we had a place where they could show up. There was something about um, providing a table where they could show up and be themselves. Like, I'm here today because there was a guy named Pastor Phil, right? And that, that tradition, you always had to call them pastor to remind them of who they were. Um, and uh, Pastor Phil noticed me and engaged me and talked with me. And that, that simple of an act, like, put me on this trajectory of being this, this pastor, and the, th the things that kids, like, will tell me is, like, oh, man, you remember when, you, like, we got to talk to you while you're driving the bus to Colorado? I'm, like, and I lie to them because I'm a healthy human. I'm, of course I do. Yeah. Right? Or showing up at a basketball game. Or um, I used to give my, this is, this is my ploy. I don't know if you can youth group, man. Um, uh, I would, if you brought a friend for the first time, I'd give you a monster energy drink and the friend. Right? And I didn't tell parents. I didn't, I didn't have kids. I didn't understand of the danger <laughs> Right? It's so horrible. If I, my kid went to a group and he it was like at 8.30, like, oh, I drink a monster energy drink on a Wednesday night. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, why am I telling you on this? Oh, because I, um, one, of my, one of my gifts is that um, uh, students, I still run into students that are now adults. And um, I just ran into Hubie, if you remember Hubie, um, at a football game. And I asked the same question. I was like, hey, where are you at? What are you doing? And I always end with, are you happy? And it's one of my favorite questions to ask people I've not seen for a long time. Because most of them pause and kind of look off into the distance like it's some dramatic scene in a movie, right? <laughs> um, because that's a question we don't always ask, right? We don't say like, hey, are you happy? Or, are you hungry? <laughs> are you available? Can you do this for me? Happiness is this like, um, can be aloof at times. Like you have to like become cognitively aware of what do I define as happiness? It, where am I at with that happiness? And am I moving towards that happiness or am I moving away from that happiness? And so it, I love that question because it makes people really honestly process. And it's like happiness. How do we define happiness? Is happiness like pillow fights and tickle fights, right? Is happiness just when we giggle all the time, you know, until someone pees their pants, right? Is, is happiness just when we smile, right, a lot? And they're like, well, that's happy. And if I'm not smiling or pillow fights, right, is, am I unhappy, right? It's something that 
is not always easy to define. And for a lot of people, um, it depends on how you view yourself and how you view like your purpose. For a lot of people, their purpose in life is to work a job, to pay bills, to go home, numb themselves with whatever we choose to numb ourselves with so that we don't have to think about going back to work to tolerate work again, right? And then the weekends is a whole weekend of numbing ourselves trying to forget that we have to go back to this job and that we've numbed ourselves the past week, right? And um, some people, their existence is to make sure that everyone else has a good and beautiful life at the expense of themselves, right? And then we, we kind of celebrate that, right? We kind of put some honor to like, oh, you're a great parent because you have tolerated your own happiness at the expense of others. And I think like, shouldn't like life be something a little bit more than just getting a job? Life, can life be something more than just making sure everyone else's needs around me are taken care of? Like, can I actually have a life of happiness? See, I am a huge fan of happiness. And I think happiness really is something, I think happiness um, does indeed and needs to transcend just being smiley. I think it needs to transcend just uh, having a joke. But like, how do we get it, right? Like, the, I, I've known, uh, I shouldn't use names, that'd be horrible, right? Let's use social media, right? If you're on social media, like, do you think that a majority of the people on social media are, are happy? Right? <laughs> yeah, you laugh, right? <laughs> I would say no, right? I would say there's a lot of people um, that I've encountered that uh, give a lot of energy to things that just don't matter. It just doesn't matter. It's like, why do you care so much about this? Why are you spending significant amount of energy complaining about this? And it's, it's like, do you think they, one day they woke up and said, man, I am going to be a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm going to just be so cranky and grumpy. That sounds, like, that sounds like a really good life decision, right? I want the center of gravity to always be about what I did not get in high school, right? I want the, every conversation to eventually lead towards what, uh, what this person or what this thing did and how I can't attain it, right? Like, uh, it doesn't happen by accident, right? It happens on purpose, and I'd say the same thing with happiness. Happiness is not easy, right? It is not easy. It takes hard work to move towards happiness. But how do we do it? Well, that's what we're going to talk about for the next uh, three weeks, actually, right? Our new series will all be about how do we pursue, how do we attain, how do we awaken to happiness? And Paul talks a lot about this thing called being thankful. And I start here because I think thankfulness or gratitude is like the the, the anchor of how we find happiness. I think it is the thing that grounds us and reminds us of who we are and where we want to be. Thankfulness, in, in a vulnerable, like, authentic way, thankfulness demands that you pay attention to your body, to your experience, to your story, uh, to your, um, your, your lived experience of what you believe to be true and what, what you want and what you don't want. But it, it takes a lot of work. So Paul says this a couple, 13, 14 times, he says this um, in his letters. And most of the times he says it, it's in the beginning of this letter. And Paul would write these letters not because he's like, you know what, I'm going to go viral, right? I'm going to, someday there's going to be this guy with a killer Wilco hat. He's going to be talking about it. So I'm writing for the future. Paul's writing these letters in the same way that I would be writing a text to my, to my partner about how much I love, what I love about her, and wh what dreams I hope we have together. Paul's doing, these are his people. These are people he's had influence. These are people that... Um, have responded and want something similar. So he's writing them to remind them, right? He's trying to remind them, essentially, you, you, you say you want to be these kind of people, and this is where you're veering off the path. But he starts most of his letters with this, right? 1 Corinthians 
uh, chapter 1. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. First, First Thessalonians chapter 1. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers. Second, Th- Second Thessalonians chapter 1. We must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is right, because of your faith is growing abundantly. Colossians 3. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body, and to be thankful. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul comes at thankfulness with prayer, with gratitude, with celebration, with rejoicing, and he ties it all together, like for prayer. How could prayer be tied to thankfulness? It's like this. I have a friend who is grieving and in um, some significant pain, right? And they try playing off like, oh, I'm fine, but they're, like, they're, they're in a tough, tough spot. And I pray for them and their family every single day. And when I think about them, I pray for them. And why do I pray? Do I pray because uh, I feel like I have to convince God to stop what God's doing and pay attention for a little bit to my friend? And God's like, fine, Chris. Gosh, don't you know I'm busy? I got stuff going on, right? And so, fine, I will, fine, I will move or heal or speak or engage or inspire that person for something else. And I'm being like, oh, man, thanks, God. I don't believe that's what prayer is. To me, prayer is this um, putting this energy. It's a declaration. It is a sign of solidarity that I, along with my friend, and I believe also God, that we all want the same thing. We want something beautiful. We want wisdom. We want love. We want strength. And even in this horrible, hard, incredibly, really, really hard thing, that they can come through it as like a stronger, more mature, wiser person. I do it as a way of saying, I love this person, and I want beautiful things, and I'm thankful that I can be aware of this person's need. I'm aware that I get to be in their life. And so as a, as a declaration of gratitude, as a declaration of solidarity, as a declaration of thankfulness, I'm saying, God, we all want the same thing. See, then prayer is not just this mystical trying to convince God. It's not like a, a petition that we have to organize and, and activate, right? It, it's a way of saying we agree that we want something good. We agree with God that we want something good. See, thankfulness can be played out in so many different ways. But it's hard, right? One of the reasons it's hard is that our brain is hardwired um, to love. How do I say love? Um, it is um, we attach meaning to negative things a lot faster than uh, beautiful things, right? If you've ever been on, I'm using social media a lot, but if you've ever been on social media and it's like your, your birthday or you took like the, the updated picture, you know, what do you call those things? Um, profile pictures, right? You up, like, <laughs> thank you for laughing, all right? Um, if you have a profile picture and you, uh, and you update it, autom- I think it automatically like goes to the world and saying, look at this person, they have a new face, or a new picture of their face, right? And you, know, you can look at all the things that people write, like, so beautiful, inspiring, whatever cool people say, right? Um, but then you notice, like, the one friend who didn't say anything, and, like, you notice that they also liked a different picture but not this picture. And you're like, well, why didn't they like this one? They not like my face. Is my face not good enough for their face, right? And you can read into all these things. Instead of, like, the 100 positive comments, you are fixated on the one negative, Right? Or you can, in your work, your job review, you can get all these glowing views and <laughs> like mine. Oh, man, I don't know why I'm telling you this. Every year in my review, <laughs> I have all these nice things to say. And they're like, we're pretty sure you don't know how to spell. <laughs> they said over there, like, hey, you know, your written communication is just kind of like, 
do you know how to like spell check? It was like every time. And instead of like being thankful for all these wonderful things, I was just like, you think I can't spell? And I'd like write an email to them and they would of course have like five errors in it. I'm like, oh! And I like, I'd hit send and I'd, all of a sudden I'd see the red line. I'm like, why? Um, I'm telling you this because we respond, right? Uh, I heard one doctor say our brains, when we experience something negative, we experience anger or we experience um, a negative comment, it's like Velcro to our brain, just sticks. But if like, like my buddy Yuli, he's not in here right now, like my buddy Yuli, right? He comes on his scooter and it's a beautiful thing, right? And I have to like think about, oh, this is a beautiful thing. I remember my kids being that age and what a sweet time, what a good kid, right? And you have to like focus on that positive thing to have a similar meaning. You don't have to work that hard. That's why they say if it bleeds, it leads on the news because it works on our brain. To be thankful, you have to be aware. It takes energy. It does not happen by accident. And then when we think about like thankfulness, when we think about happiness, right? Like think of one of the happiest moments of your life. Give me a moment. Maybe it was like when you fell in love. Right? I told Nikki she had big teeth. That's how we fell in love. That's not a lie, right? Uh, maybe it was uh, the birth of your kid. Maybe it was when you accomplished that job. Maybe it's when you ran that marathon, you ran that race. Maybe it's um, uh, a meal you had with your parents. Like, when you think about that happiness, that moment, you might use the word, man, it was perfect, right? And when we think of perfection, what do we think of? Usually perfection, or even the word holiness, right? We think, oh, that's perfect. And so we'd say, oh, that there was no, we usually equate holiness or happiness or perfection as there was um, no errors, right? There was like no errors at all. But if you really think about that moment, I imagine there was a ton of errors, right? There's not, like, we equate perfection as this unattainable thing, even though we experience beauty every single day, we experience happiness every day, we experience the kingdom of God in, like every single day, and there's a ton of errors, right? What if perfection or holiness or even happiness wasn't a lack of something? What if it was the fullness of something, right? So in that experience I had, I'll, I'll share mine when I thought about this. I have a picture, um, <laughs> when I used to have an office, I had a picture, right now it's in some back corner, but it's a picture of uh, my buddy Nick and my brother Dano, and we are all like hugging, and then right before the picture, I think my brother tried kissing my neck, and so I'm laughing, I'm doing this, and Nick started giggling, so he's like going this way, it's this weird picture. When I look at the picture, I experience happiness, because that was a meal when we were younger, and we got all dressed up, drove down to the cities, and we went to hot, do you remember this? You have to remember this. We went to hot dish, hot dish, as an H-A-U-T-E, hot dish, uh-huh, yeah. Um, and there was a lot of errors. First one is I didn't know what kind of restaurant we went to. This is probably one of the first restaurants that we went where I wasn't wearing cargo shorts. <laughs> Not there's anything wrong with cargo shorts, Dietrich. And um, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, actually had like menus. And we walked in and someone ordered a cocktail, which uh, was new to me. And I'm like, oh, this is great. And I look at the, the cocktail menu and I see how much it costs. And I'm like, oh, is this for like all of them? <laughs> And all of a sudden I became aware of um, how much money we had in our bank account and how much money this restaurant was going to want to take from my bank account. And I started stressing because we didn't make a lot of money. And I'm like, well, we have enough to cover it, I think, <laughs> right? Um, 
And then I thought about my kids. Our kids were young, and they're probably with my sister, I imagine, right? And they were probably just making life incredibly beautiful for everyone there. And we were still at the age, I sh yes, if my kids are here. Uh, we miss our kids always. But at that time, we really, I, I'd be like, can't wait to get away from my kids. And then we'd be driving away. I'm like, I miss our kids, right? So there's all these reasons to have stress. I carry anxiety with me. There's all these, all these things of feeling like I want to make this, like, the best night for my partner, right? And I remember the moment it switched, where it became perfect, where it became like happiness was really there. It was when I was willing to be thankful for just being at this table. Oh, man. I'm like, <clears throat> I remember looking around and looking at my brother and how much I love my brother um, and his wonderful partner, Katie. And I'm like, I'm so thankful of all the stuff that we've experienced as a family. One of my best friends is still my brother. I look over at Nick and Anna, and Nick and Anna have been our friends for as, almost as long as we've been married, and they're, like, cool, right? They're, like, my friends. I mean, all my friends are cool. <laughs> they're, like, legit cool, and I'm, like, why are you hanging out with me, right? You could, like, go hang out with, like, all the beautiful people, and yet, like, he, they, they, Anna and Nick, both chose to be with me, and I thought about all the times that we've laughed and all the times that we've cried. And I still remember looking at my partner and looking at Nikki and thinking, why is she at this table with me? <laughs> she, she's, she knows all the things I've said. She knows all the things that I've said over here but really did this over here. She knows all, all the secrets. And yet she still chooses to be at this table. And it was that moment where I experienced happiness as when I gave myself to the freedom and the liberation of just being at the table, Right? And there was all these errors. I imagine the, the way they served the food wasn't exactly perfect. The wine probably wasn't at the right temperature. But it was in my giving myself to that moment where I experienced this deep, deep happiness. And this is what I think happiness is, is when we can be thankful in that breath, in that space. And it takes incredible amounts of work. So I'm going to give you just four um, quick tips about practicing thankfulness. Because, like, uh, maybe I already said this, but you have to be aware of who is it that you really want to be. You have to be constantly aware of who do I want to be at any age, right? It's easy to float through life, but you're still making a decision to float through life. Like, you have to do life on purpose and with purpose. So here's four things about how we can practice thankfulness that will ground us to experience happiness. First is this, is, and I say this all the time, and I, and I think it's important, is that we are all connected. Every single one of us is connected in some shape, way, or form. That the, with the, the electricity or the atoms that are going through the air, we all share the same sunlight, the, the water that we drink, right? From uh, the stories that we have, from the, the, the ground that we walk on, we are all deeply, more deeply connected than we think. It's easy to think like I'm an individual and I'm unique to my, for me, I'm unique to my anxiety. No one knows what it means to be an anxious person, right? I'm unique in my experience of growing up here. I'm unique in this experience in my job. Truth is, we are all way more connected. If that's true, then everything in this universe belongs to one another. Every single thing. Everything belongs, regardless if you um, theologically agree with me or you don't. You still belong. The belonging is not in how you answer a question. The belonging is not how fast you can throw a ball. The belonging is not in how much money you make or what accomplishments you have. The, the belonging is in the person. It's in us. So if that's true, everything's connected and we all belong, then every single thing in this world can be our teacher. Every single moment can be a chance, an opportunity for us to practice thankfulness. Right? And that's not easy. That's really hard. 
how do you be thankful? It's, how about this? It's easy um, at your birthday party to be really thankful because everyone comes around you and tells you how great you are and actually they give you a gift and you're like, oh, thank you, right? I didn't get you a gift last year. Now I feel guilty, but not that bad, right? You know how you play that game? Um, it's easy in those moments to practice thankfulness. It's a lot harder when depression is like a wet blanket on you and you can't even imagine getting out of bed to take a shower, right? You're not going to be like, hallelujah, Father, right? <laughs> That's a little hard. How do you practice thankfulness when you're stressed about making that next payment? Like, how do you express gratitude as you have joint pain? How do you express gratitude as your, your adult kids are making decisions that you're like, ah, I never taught you that. How do you do that? I don't know. But that's the point. This is what it means to be human. In your lived experience, in this breath, if it's all connected and everything belongs, in this space is an opportunity for you to discover, um, for you to discover who does he want to be. You get to practice it. And I, I, for me, I want to be a thankful person. I want to move in this world, even in the hardest times, taking a moment, catching my breath, and still figuring out how do I be thankful. So everything's connected. Second one. Um, <laughs> I love this. Um, in Taoism, they talk, of, they talk on like, this value of water. There's all these different um, pictures or analogies. In Taoism, the value of water is that water will take the shape of wherever it finds itself. It will flow, it's always moving, and in whatever container, whatever um, hole, whatever cup it finds up, it automatically takes the shape. You don't need to convince the water. You don't, the water doesn't have to like, ooh, Chris, I'm sorry, I only want to be on this side of the cup. I'm not going to that side. You know what that side of the cup, what they believe, you heard what they said? It just naturally, effortlessly just takes the space. And this helps me, I visualize about this often, this helps me think of there is a lot of transitions um, in my life, and I realized that life is just a series of uh, transitions, right? Transitions in my body, transitions in the way I think, the transitions in how I show up in a room, right? Transitions in my job, transitions in a lot, and on how we spend or even think about money. All of us are going through some series of transitions. Some of them are prompted; I activate them. Some of them are activated through trauma, right? Some of them are activated through things I don't want to do, but I need to do because this is what responsible people do. There, there's things that um, are activated that I did not ask for, right? Regardless, there's these, tran these transitions. And when they happen, I can either fight it and resist it, right? Or I can be like water. And I can move and I can flow. And wherever I find myself in, I can go with it. And I can be present. And I can be, I can be aware. I can be awake. I can be in that space and still practice gratitude. I get to decide that. That's up to me. And that, th that analogy has really helped me. Instead of me, I feel like I can get so rigid of like, no, this is how it has to be. This is what happiness looks like. This is what um, being a good partner looks like. What I found is like in these transitions, in this evolution, there's going to be things that have to change. And I might fight, I might resist, but it's led to something truly good and beautiful. So everything belongs. Be like the water. And the third one is actually do something. <laughs> I thought of like, what's a witty way of saying? It's like just, we, we actually have to do something. We can live in our heads and think, oh, I, I do want to be a thankful person. Thanks, Chris, right? And we can have all these ideas of how we can practice thankfulness or gratitude, how we can experience happiness, but then we don't do it. Like actually do it. That might be joining a, this is, I, I did not think of this earlier, but I'm going to go with that, right? Maybe it's <laughs> 
Maybe it's joining a thankfulness club, right? Maybe you get together with like three friends and you start the day off by texting each other what you're grateful for, right? Maybe it's, I know someone every day in November um, on social media posts something that they're thankful for. For maybe it's writing in your journal. Maybe it's like yelling it out to the universe at night what you're thankful for. Um, I had to do this once where I was in a class and they had us write 50 thank you cards to people that have influenced our life. And at first I'm like, I don't even know if I know 50 people. <laughs> um, and then I went through like 50 cards, that's 50 stamps. And in, um, if you don't know me, I'm incredibly cheap. And so um, I'm like, that's gonna be like $500. So, um, and it's not. And, um, and that's gonna take me all this time. And it actually made me pause. I was in the other side of the office, um, looking out the window and I just gave myself to the moment and I thought of my Uncle Pat. When I was a teenager or a kid, he pulled us behind the boat on the, the inner tubes. Of is that what you call them? We went tubing. Yeah, on the tubes. Um, and I thought of how many hours a day in the summer he gave up. And now I'm his age when I was a kid. And <laughs> thankfully, my brother-in-law does all the driving. And he, the kids are like, take us on the boat. I'm like, thank God they're asking him, not me. <laughs> but it made me so thankful that he gave up his time, his energy, and his money in, like, prime time of the day in summer to make me happy. Wrote him a letter. Wrote him a thank you card. Thought about Robin Brady. Nikki and I, I always say Nikki and I, so it kind of deflects part of the shame, but Nikki and I um, were in a mime team together. Like, mime, I'm in a box, I'm in a box, right? Uh, what? Yeah, not like, not for like a community ed class. <laughs> not because like we did something that they punished it. You must be in mime now. Um, we were willing participants for about five years. <laughs> um, yeah, why am I telling? Oh, Robin. And, but that, as odd as it is, that really um, was transformative in me having to get up in front of people and perform, right? And talking about Jesus and talking about, like, practice and art and culture. So I wrote Robin a letter. I thought about my freshman RA, Ryan, who I realized didn't do a whole lot. There was like 25 freshmen, and he just let us be a bunch of morons, right? It's, really, honestly, it's all he did. He's just like, yeah, just like, don't leave this hall. All right, Ryan. <laughs> and how impactful. I thought about my dad, who did um, the community plays in Carleton, small, you know, amazing top-shelf town, culture not being one of the highest things on the list. And he made an effort to engage kids with art. So I wrote all these letters. I'm a high feeler, so I cried through most of it. And only got through 25 I felt guilty and went back to the moderator, and I'm like, I only did 25. They said, you did 25? I'm like, you said 50. And she said, I say that because most people do like three. I'm like, thank you, all right? But that was, what, five years ago? And I still think of that. And I have to give effort being thankful because it's not that I'm not a thankful person. I just don't, it's not my normative experience to sit down and look in the eyes and say, I'm really thankful that you come here on a, on a consistent basis and make room for everyone to be here, right? Like, it's awkward for me at times. So I thought, let's celebrate awkwardness. Let's normalize having awkward conversations with people you love. Looking people you love in the eye and put words to what you, what you love about them. Hugging your friends, telling your kids what you're thankful for, telling your teachers, your kids' teachers, telling your friends, your boss, whatever it is. Because when you do it, it's awkward, I won't lie. Right? If you walk up to like your boss, you're like, I am really thankful for you because of the way you button your shirt. I don't whatever you do with your boss, right? Um, it, it, when you get that energy out there, happiness does bloom. This is where I end. 
and then we're going to sing another song, is uh, don't take the low-hanging fruit. And I save this for the end because this is the attractive alternative. Low-hanging fruit is complaining. It's way easier to show up in a circle of friends. And if your center of gravity is that you always complain about that thing that happened five years ago, right? And, like, I am guilty of this as well. It's so easy to have the center of gravity at your workplace, in your family system, your circle of friends, in your church, in your summer volleyball team. It can be all about the things that you hate, all the things that maybe you were a victim of. It's important to find places to process and do that. But if you sit around and just say, do you see what Billy's wearing today? All right? And that's like what you have your conversation over and over again. That is who you are, and that's who you're becoming. I don't know anyone who wants to live that kind of life. There is reach for something higher. There's better fruit. There's more rich fruit. There's a more rich lived experience if you're willing to do the work. So um, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to pray, and then we're going to close with a song. If you would like to take communion, we have communion um, on the windowsill and on this table over by the welcome sign. And the way we do communion is that we invite you to do it when it works for you, with family, friends, by yourself. Um, so during the song, if you'd like or after or you want to steal it and do it in the car, that's up to you. So let's pray. So God, we are um, thankful. I'm thankful that I don't have to convince you to listen to me or hear me or engage with me. But you are within, you are present, and you are here in this breath. And because of that, I say thank you. I'm thankful for this church. Those here, those listening on the podcast, those in Iowa, those who are watching online. There's something beautiful about being in solidarity with people, coming together with a focus of saying yes to God. I thank you for friends. I thank you for the sun. I thank you for the warm weather and the breeze. All of it belongs. So I pray as we move throughout the day, as we wrap up our weekend, that we can notice the beautiful things in our life and we can speak life to it. We can recognize it. We can awaken to it in text or in writing or in word that we express it. Because not only are you worth it, God, we are worth it as well. So we love you. Believe or imagine
legend, for you are generous with your lavish love, pouring out on us Generous God, giver of life and every good and perfect gift. With arms open wide, we come to receive from you. Cause we know that you, you do exceedingly so much more. 